Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Fully Expressed Podcast. I'm your host, Chris Marhefka, and I am excited to bring you the following conversations with some of the most interesting people I have ever met. When I set out to start recording the Fully Expressed Podcast, my intention was not to be the biggest, the most listened to, the most profitable podcast, but my intention was to be the most vulnerable podcast. And so as I interview our guests, my desire is to bring up stories and share experiences that they haven't shared before or they don't share regularly, to let us into their world even deeper so that we may learn and grow from their stories. And so far, we've certainly done that. Please check out all the episodes we've recorded on Spotify, iTunes, and all the other platforms. And if you love this show, please leave us a review, let me know, and also share this with a friend who you think might enjoy it. Lastly, if you want to support this show, please go over to trainingcampforthesoul.com. Training Camp for the Soul is my company where we do emotional healing, inner child work, and we teach people how to truly transform their lives. This show is completely funded by Training Camp for the Soul, so if you want to support me in the show, please go check out everything we have to offer over there. If you want to see the show notes and anything more about this podcast, go to chrismarhefka.com slash fully expressed. And then lastly, go over and follow me on the Instagram at chrismarhefka, where I share my own personal stories vulnerably, openly, and honestly. Thank you all for listening and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Fully Expressed Podcast. I'm here smiling with my friend, Jessica Benstock, <laughs> who is a coach to entrepreneurs, leaders, CEOs in the energetic realm, and uh, also does an enormous amount of work in multimodality. Yeah, multimodality. Uh, trauma work. Yep. And my first experience of you professionally was actually you were giving a guest teaching session to one right. of my groups. Totally. Yeah. I forgot about that with a, a knot, right? Yeah, with a knot. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Beautiful. And you were just blowing people's minds mm. with the work that you were sharing and the insights. And so first, thank you for that. And then also thank you for oh, yeah. being on the show today. Yeah. My pleasure. My pleasure. I'm trying to think about what were we talking about? I think we were talking about the trigger archetypes or we were talking about trauma-informed client intake. Trauma-informed client intake. Yeah, cool. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, I like so, you have a Rolodex you're going through in your mind right now. What are we talking about? Yeah, there's so, many, there's so many different things, but those are the main two that I've been talking recently in groups about. And people have been loving it, which I never expected. Yeah. Actually, I didn't think that I would be talking about how to intake a client mm -hmm. and that would be such an interesting thing. Yeah. But what it's kind of opened up to is such a deeper understanding, I think, mm -hmm. for people to have of like, you're not just seeing a client, you're seeing a human being with all sorts of different things that have molded them and affected yeah. them and things like that. So, yeah, <laughs> it's like, even as I interview people and introduce them, I'm like, can we fit this human into a label of like, <laughs> yeah, like right. it's so silly totally. Uh, and all the things that you've done, which we were just jamming on a little bit, yeah. hearing a little bit about your past, your history and what's molded you. What are some of those most impactful things? Oh, that's a great way of saying that. I'm going to take that into all my other interviews when they say, what's your story? Just to be like most impactful highlights. 
I, well, I'm definitely someone who went through a spiritual awakening like really fast. So I never had the experience that people have of like, ooh, spirituality. What is that? I'm going to dabble. It was like my entire life blew up, fell apart. I was socially slandered really badly. I had my heart broken. I was like really in the space of what people, when you read about like the dark night of the soul, it was very much that. And in the middle of that, I had a few things happen where all my empathic abilities opened up really intensely. All of this simultaneously to my life falling apart, there was a lot of wisdom that came online where for me, it was just like a knowing of this is happening for a reason. These are how things occur. There was a wisdom that felt really old and really ancient that I just had online all Mm -hmm. of a sudden to kind of guide me through what I was Mm -hmm. going through, which was cool. And then I had a lot of help. I had a lot of people that were 80s babies. I'm a 91 baby. And like, Are you really? I am. Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Old soul. But there was a lot of late 70, early to mid 80s mm-hmm. babies who I'm so eternally grateful for because they just all popped up in my life and had already been doing the work mm-hmm. for quite a long time. So when I didn't know what was going on, all of a sudden I had these key players that were mm-hmm. like older brothers and sisters mm-hmm. in my life that kind of guided me. So the first one was a woman who gave me a book on uh, past life and between life soul regression hypnotherapy. Mm-hmm. And I had heard of past life stuff. I was mm-hmm. not into it, but the between life pre-birth memories mm-hmm. and the place that you go after you die, that started waking things up in my system. Mm-hmm. And so I decided to get trained in hypnotherapy, even though I'd never <laughs> experienced it before. Yeah. <laughs> and I was supposed to go to art school, but my money that we had saved up had to be used for something else Mm -hmm. for another family member. So I didn't have the money to go on this path that I'd already Mm. taken summer classes for in Mm -hmm. high school. So it was very like hard rate turn. So this time period is like around 18 years old. 18. Okay, cool. Yeah, Yeah. 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 And at that time, I just wanted to learn hypnotherapy to study these multidimensional realms, which we literally focused on for one day out of the entire school. <laughs> and the rest of it was predominantly cool like, yeah, exactly. It was like, I want to get out of my body and not yeah. be on earth. Kind of your uh, classic uh-huh. starseed yeah. vibe. But then I learned about the subconscious and I was mm. fascinated mm. about the subconscious. My entire family or one kind of branch of my family has a lot of depression. And mm-hmm. so I dealt with that a lot. I saw mm. it a lot people in my family that have committed suicide multiple and so there's this sense of some kind of emotional thing that couldn't really be expressed that I repressed from a young age and kind of turned towards myself so Mm -hmm. I like self-harmed a lot when I was a kid just to try to control my sensitivity and emotions Mm -hmm. and all this like darkness that I felt that later on I connected to oh this is like lineage stuff like Mm -hmm. this was stuff that was kind of taken on as I came into this path. And so when I discovered this space where you could go into these locked emotions and they could express, Mm -hmm. and I was in a room of adults that were allowed to cry and wail and like (laughs) feel anger and rage and move these energies through their body and how they changed. Mm -hmm. I was in awe. I was Mm. astonished. I was like, what was the container of that first experience? It was a hypnotherapy training that was held in (laughs) just thinking it was probably like in a Marriott. We would go every day to their, you know, their like conference rooms in a Marriott. And I was the 
18 year old no one everyone looked at me like why are you here yeah. a lot of these people were therapists they were like mm-hmm. 40s 50s mm-hmm. a lot of them had gone to really prestigious schools so mm-hmm. top level schools for psychology mm-hmm. some of them had phds and then i was just this weird little hippie girl <laughs> that showed up and was going through all of this turmoil mm-hmm. and i had a lot of them come up to me and go you know you should keep whatever this is you should keep doing it because mm-hmm. it works better than talk therapy mm-hmm. and so after having four people come up to me and say that, that yeah. are older with tons more yeah. experience, I just paid attention. And I think part of it was because of the access to the subconscious, but also the recognition of trauma mm-hmm. and how you can heal it through the body mm-hmm. and you can change and move these things instead of pathologizing them. So that mm-hmm. was the highlight of what skyrocketed everything mm-hmm. else. And I think that's been the undertone of everything else as yeah. I've looked for what is human suffering? Mm-hmm. How do you start to reconcile how it's been passed down? Mm-hmm. How do you actually clear it in the body on a multicellular level and energetic level? And then how does that inherently connect to awakening of consciousness? Mm-hmm. And so I know I've learned multiple modalities, taught mm-hmm. multiple modalities, all having to do with the subconscious. That's kind of how I would find them. And this was when Joe Dispenza was not a big deal. Yeah. So this was a weird thing to a be into. Time, yeah. mm-hmm. <laughs> now it's, everyone knows what the yeah. subconscious <laughs> is. And everyone's familiar with manifesting. At that uh-huh. point, I was like ultra weirdo. Mm. And, and so that took me into a lot of different veins, you know, studying with indigenous elders a lot for a good part of my 20s with entheogenic plant medicines, wanting to train to actually hold altars and hold the ceremony mm-hmm. spaces, having a very abrupt recognition one day that I was done with that training, mm-hmm. which was, kind of surprising because when you spend multiple years doing something, you assume you're going to do the thing. (laughs) Your human mind expects that that's the track and this is what we're doing. And yeah. Yeah. And it was like, I heard a voice one day that was like, okay, you're done. Mm. It was super neutral. Mm. It wasn't some huge Mm. dramatic epiphany. It was very like, okay, you learned what you Mm -hmm. need to learn here. And did that feel true for you or did you fight it a little bit? It felt sad. You know, when you have a community mm-hmm. and ways of connecting, especially in ceremonial ways that still have that tribal mm-hmm. connection and the songs. And mm. so I felt, yeah, one of my close friends was really active and learning that we were learning it together and she taught me a lot of stuff. And so there was this moment where she actually had said at one point, she's like, I feel like you're breaking up with me. <sighs> and I was like, I'm not, I'm just breaking up with the plant. Mm-hmm. And she was like, well, well, that's my path. And so there was a lot of, I think, resistance in the way of the knowing was there Mm -hmm. and the sadness of, it's almost, funnily enough, it is kind of like a breakup where Mm -hmm. you know that something's come to a close Mm -hmm. and yet there's so much love Mm -hmm. and experiences and Mm -hmm. connection and wisdom that's been grown together. And there's that inevitable we're parting ways now, Mm -hmm. but there's so much of that wisdom that I still keep Mm. really, really close to my heart. And yeah, it's more been on the path of integration, but it also, for me going into it, I always wanted to know how do I have connection to my psychic abilities without Mm -hmm. needing something to open them up? Say that again, without needing something? Without like, how do I have connection to my psychic abilities Mm -hmm. without needing an extra thing outside of myself to open them up? So psychedelics are really good at that, right? Mm -hmm. But even from the time I was, I started eating mushrooms as like a kid or Mm -hmm. kid, teenager, 14, Mm -hmm. 15. Mm -hmm. And I realized, wait, 
I have the supply in my brain. Like I'm taking something mm-hmm. that's activating something that already, already exists there. inside yeah, my yeah, brain. Yeah. Like uh-huh. how do I just yeah. activate that on its yeah. own? And so the meditation work that I did after that mm-hmm. was also a big part of that, which is more focused on cultivating the subtle bodies and how do you open up these non-physical organs of mm-hmm. perception that we have that mm-hmm. get open spontaneously from psychedelics mm-hmm. but the yogis and the vedas yeah. while they did take some psychedelic teas they were predominantly focused on just opening it up through mm-hmm. working with the subtle bodies and awakening processes so those all of that <laughs> is kind of the highlights and i think the thread throughout it all has been yeah what is human suffering how do we kind of purify all the stuff we've taken on, whether it's as souls or through our mm-hmm. family, how do we create more awakening mm-hmm. and how do we activate what our bodies are actually yeah. able to do? Mm-hmm. So what are your answers to those? Oh my God. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so far in this moment. Uh, yeah. Well, practice and dedication is a big part of it. One of the things I'm really big on is an attitude to transform that I've had to learn over time which is you have to actively choose to show up mm-hmm. to do the work and mm-hmm. you have to expect that mm-hmm. it's like any skill, it's going to mm-hmm. be hard and it's, you're going to have to train. For, like if you want to be really good yeah. at swimming, you train to be really good Every at swimming. Day. Right. Yep. And so awakening is like mm-hmm. a similar principle to me. Mm-hmm. It's like mm-hmm. you take it day by day, but you sovereignty is something I think you have to actively choose. Mm-hmm in each moment because it's so much about choice Mm -hmm. and so choosing to go towards what's uncomfortable choosing Mm -hmm. to go towards vulnerability choosing to go towards what feels maybe even like spiky or pokey Mm -hmm. and like your own triggers and kind of scary to confront and of course in safe ways Mm -hmm. but I think that's a really big key is it's a moment to moment choice and you don't have to make it I think that's what's so interesting (laughs) about it it's like you kind of have to cultivate something that's like okay I'm gonna yeah look at this thing that I'd kind of rather not right but for the benefit of waking up and gaining more self-knowledge and Mm self-awareness that feels important where do you think that comes from that choosing to go into the uncomfortable to start following this path. Is that just a soul's timing thing? That's a great point. Where did it come from for you? When you think about those moments, maybe we can find like Mm -hmm. overlaps between both of ours. So for me, it usually came out of, I reached my maximum threshold of discomfort in a certain area of my life. Mm -hmm. And it was enough to either just, take a step back and look at things as a movie objectively or it was enough to just look a different direction and see way more perspectives that I wasn't seeing before like picking my head up but it was always for me it was out of discomfort in some way early on oh yeah totally but it's gotten subtler and subtler and it's just like now it feels like almost the snowball rolling where it's just like I'm choosing this waking up growing up process and so this is just a thing that shows up and so it doesn't feel like it's a hard choice anymore yeah totally i think about it in the context of when i was an athlete and i credit a lot of my recent growth 
emotionally and spiritually to decades of physical growth. And I just learned the process of, oh, you just do the thing every day and yep. you just improve it and you do the thing and you do the thing. And then one day you're awesome. Totally, totally. <laughs> and strong and whatever. Will and cultivation teaches yeah. you. I feel like in one area, if mm-hmm. you cultivate it there, mm-hmm. it goes across the board in anything. Yeah. Every day did something physical, trained, worked out, whatever. And I take unconsciously, I take that same mentality to whatever I put my mind to now, spiritual here. Totally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah it's great to have that muscle. Mm-hmm. It really helps to have that muscle of spiritual work too, because mm-hmm. the quality of discomfort is a special mm-hmm. kind of quality, <laughs> I would call it. But I would say discomfort was the thing for me too. Yeah. I mean, it was extreme because that's what my story was. But mm-hmm. I think that there's something. I used to look at it almost like, I don't know, from like, I was a little bit more victim-y. I made it one of the things about suffering that I've studied. And I think Taoism talks about it. Buddhism talks about it. But there's just like, we make it so much more dramatic. Mm-hmm. If you meditate for multiple weeks, you'll see this part of the mind that's just like, oh, it just loves to make everything oh, such a drama and drag. And I think at the beginning, I did a lot of that. Like, why me? And (laughs) and until I actually came to the point of, okay, this just is, this is what's happening. And I can either, actually at that point, I couldn't avoid it to cope. I also have a really strong reaction to things like alcohol. So Mm -hmm. at the time I could smoke weed and kind of disconnect, but that didn't even really Mm -hmm. work. And a lot of the friends that I had that were struggling would drink a lot, but I have Mm -hmm. a really strong reaction to alcohol. Mm -hmm. So I couldn't go. Yeah, (laughs) yeah, yeah, definitely. I couldn't really go backwards. And then after a while, I started to learn that for me innately, if I am really uncomfortable with something, I will go kind of head first towards it Mm -hmm. because I like challenge, but also because I really don't like having fear Mm. inhibit me mm. so it's like I'll, I'll sometimes be like oh god I don't want to do this it's not like I'm everything that I do is mm-hmm. driven by a I will conquer sometimes I'm like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing right now but yeah. I do know that if I allow whatever that fear is to continue to take up space mm-hmm. in my consciousness I don't like that yeah I'm like this should be my space yeah not mm-hmm. whatever that is mm-hmm. and so that's kind of how it grew for me over time. Mm-hmm. But I think discomfort inherently, there's something that I find quite beautiful about it mm-hmm. where it's like almost in the natural design of, I mean, nature, right? If your body is super uncomfortable, eventually you're going to do something about it. <laughs> get out of that position yeah, yeah, or whatever you're in. Yeah. And the nth degree of that is like yeah. you get really sick and then you're forced to look at it. Right. And mm-hmm. so consciousness feels similar in that way where it's I think that inherently people get sick of where they're at and mm-hmm. there's some kind of magical inkling that something could be different. Magical urge know. to change. Yeah, yeah what mm-hmm. it is. Stimulus. But it is kind of mysterious, right? Like what makes that process Universal fire poker. It's just like, come on, come on. And then it gets louder and louder and yeah. more uncomfortable. I always wonder now what it's like for people who spirituality is just like a interesting thing that people are into because it's so mainstream now Mm. that feels like its own dangling golden carrot kind Mm -hmm. of thing where yeah i wonder how it's like to go towards that and be like oh that's fun and then all of a sudden you're like 
oh shit, all of my repressed unconscious mm-hmm. stuff that you kind of yeah. run into. I did get for a while. I did get into the bypassing culture mm-hmm. of the new age. Yeah. I woke up from that one pretty quick, but yeah. I think a lot of people can get kind of caught in. Mm-hmm. Visionaries don't want to live in the world we have. So right. It's easy to be like, I will imagine a new one. Yep. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. But I think you have to kind of something inherently, I don't know what it is. Mm-hmm. The universal fire poker. I'll start calling yeah, it. Yeah. It's a good name for <laughs> Love it. Love <laughs> it. Love it. And so one of the things I wanted to circle back to, because this is what we're talking about, this choice of going one way or the other. And earlier you talked about that as we were talking about trauma. And you were talking about going into it and dealing with it or think pathologizing? Pathologizing, yeah. I don't know if I mentioned that specifically, but you mean like kind of taking the more mental approach to it? Yeah. I want to go into the idea of what's the difference between just like labeling and boxing something up in your psyche Mm -hmm. and like actually going into it and how you feel and know you're doing it differently. Because that's, uh, that's a that's question a that I hear all the time. It's like, how do I know when I'm actually going into it mm-hmm. and not subtly skirting around it? Because yeah. we, we do a lot <laughs> of things to get around it. That's yeah. true. I think everyone's going to find, I think that's why we have to do it together, right? Mm-hmm. And having good practitioners mm-hmm. and having people mm-hmm. that are well-trained to actually see you doing yeah. the little like skirting around <laughs> movement we all i've never seen anyone that Protector doesn't do dance. that yeah, yeah ex- exactly exactly yeah. like oh well, all of a sudden i'm over here not dealing with the emotion that i was literally just, just on the in. edge of feeling <laughs> and i think that that's also by design right like trauma mm-hmm. is made mm-hmm. to be self-protective mm-hmm. and so with that self-protecting nature like we're extremely intelligent beings with minds that are super advanced so mm-hmm. that subconscious ability which is mm. 85 90 percent of our capacity which is massive naturally has like self-protecting mechanisms mm-hmm. so i think one way to do it is to be aware that's probably going to happen and then i mean streamline for me has always been having practitioners yes, that can catch me and are sure. like i have trust with that can mm-hmm. be like hey where are you right now where'd you just go what just happened so that i can gain consciousness when that's mm-hmm happening to me in like a loving way not yeah. in a like oh I fucked it up and mm-hmm. I'm such a bad person now I'm in like some other self-hating character or like part of my psyche that still doesn't connect me to the core emotion you know yeah just another version exactly, of it yeah. exactly exactly it's funny how some of the most dramatic self-inflicted pain characters in the psyche are literally just also another coping mechanism to not be present with something so people that can like catch those nuances are really mm-hmm. big That's one of the things that I teach quite a bit of Mm -hmm. in the Phoenix path where it's like, okay, how do you tell when someone's bouncing out? And then when they are, how do you bring them back? Mm -hmm. And how do you trust yourself as a practitioner? And then how do you guide a client? Because the client's not, they don't know. They're doing that more than half Mm -hmm. the time. But I think for me, it's been, oh God, it's such a good, I'm curious your your answer to this Mm -hmm. too. Like there's a qualitative difference when I'm at the core of something where I have to let go of control. I have to let go of how the expression comes out. Mm -hmm. Normally when I'm on the edge of it, it's to my ego or something inside of me. It's really scary. Mm -hmm. I kind of have to be encouraged Mm -hmm. into it. Although I've 
kind of built that muscle over mm-hmm. time too. I think the more you do yeah. it, the easier it gets to, it's like jumping off a yeah. cliff, right? I was just going to say that analogy, yeah. the jumping yeah, off yeah. the cliff. Yeah. yeah the it's like, there's like a pullback. Like, oh. You let go and you pull back a little pullback. Mm-hmm. And I noticed I still like subtly do it. I'll like yeah, stop at the edge. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. And I teach this stuff. I've been doing it for 12 years and I still do it, you mm-hmm. know? And I think there's something really profound in the muscle that can turn towards those moments that mm-hmm. you kind of learn mm-hmm. to cultivate mm-hmm. over time. And for me, it, there's an undeniable feeling of, whoa, mm-hmm. in those moments where like mm-hmm. something profound is either being expressed that I haven't felt before so rawly mm-hmm. or an experience of it can even be subtle. Like I think it doesn't have to be this massive thing. Sometimes I think really massive dramatic catharsis can actually take people away from the depth of Mm -hmm. what's going on inside. Uh I think we actually kind of crave, we love action movies. We love loud. We love raw, but some of the most profound shifts I've had have been just these parts of the self that are so, it could only be a couple tears sometimes. Sometimes a lot of tears, but sometimes it's just, a sound or a breath or something that moves at some Mm -hmm. core of my being Mm -hmm. that is so deeply precious. Mm -hmm. And when it comes out, it's really clear something's changed. Yeah. So I think sometimes if you have to ask, likely Mm -hmm. you're probably not getting to the core of something. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't mean that that pathway hasn't gotten you to mm. the core of something before, yes. but sometimes I think we try to go back to the same pathway same yep. that mm-hmm. got us to mm-hmm. something else. Yep. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden it's not working and yes. we're like, what's wrong? Am I broken? Yeah. It's like, well, no, it's just, that was, that was a different thing before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so mm-hmm. I think that it's nuanced, but this is cool about transformation is like when something actually transforms in my consciousness, it's kind of undeniable. Yeah. I feel different in my life. I walk differently in mm-hmm. my body. My interactions with other people are just different. And a lot of the time it's really subtle, mm-hmm. but it's so universally different that when I do notice it, it's like, I used to say, it's like looking in the rear view mirror and you realize this thing that you used to be processing is like mm-hmm. back there. Mm-hmm. It's not like hanging on to your yeah. car anymore or whatever. Mm. You pass that landscape and it's no longer. Yeah aspecting the way that you see or something like that mm. are you still late to the game and recognizing it like do other people reflect it to you before you recognize it i've had a couple i think that depends on what it is mm. so for most of my 20s i was single i had partners but they were always like long distance partners and we weren't like, I did a really good job at avoiding partnership. (laughs) And now I'm in a partnership and I know why I was like, Uh Oh, that vulnerability. Uh I will do everything else, but be in a relationship where my heart has to be completely vulnerable all the time. But having a partner to reflect it, who sees Mm. me every day has actually, I think Mm. helped. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But I think it depends. Mm -hmm. Sometimes it's really obvious. Sometimes I think sometimes we also need each other, you know, to be like, hey, you are changing. This pattern is changing, even if you're still Mm -hmm. on another round of looking at it from a different angle. Right. Right. What about like, I'm curious your experiences with that. I started noticing even just as early as this year, I was starting to really just notice and almost like smile at myself at the subtle shifts, even before they were reflected from others. And now in getting in in deeper and deeper relationship, I've had a a similar experience where 
she's like tracking a little bit of doubt in me or something. And she's like, just like a really subtle, like you're doing a great job. You're changing these. You're doing. And yeah, I finally see the value of intimacy. <laughs> <laughs> ah, there's a reason for this. It's not just excruciating. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Because that's how I viewed it previously. It was it's so uncomfortable and like, what's the point almost? Mm-hmm. Yeah. That makes <laughs> like, sense. That totally makes sense. And to the level that I never really explored it to mm-hmm. even touch it. Mm-hmm. Was that just in relationship or was it with friendships too? Like, uh, I feel like it's changed across kind of? the board. Yeah. Yeah. Got across it. the board. It actually, it changed in friendships first, okay. both with men and with women. It was almost like that was safer. Yeah. Totally. And then allowed myself in a more romantic container to go there yeah 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 but it's true i feared it so deeply and i I don't know this is the first time i'm speaking that like i didn't really get the point of intimacy Mm -hmm. i really didn't and this is the first time i've spoken that out loud but i'm not sure what that is i mean it's really profound because it's the level of vulnerability and transparency you innately have to have to have intimacy is Mm. extremely revealing of everything mm-hmm. right the shames the things that aren't perfect the things that are yeah. messy the things that we're still working on mm-hmm. the stuff that i mean i think about when you say that i think about being a kid and all the things that as you grow i remember having these experiences of like oh no one's supposed to see that emotion uh, yeah mm-hmm. and you don't really no one's telling you that mm-hmm. directly but you kind of peripherally start mm-hmm. to pick up pick on these up. social cues of like that's not allowed you have to act like that. That's not wanted. And you start to see like, especially in younger kids, this mm-hmm. conditioning that goes from this creative expression of mm-hmm. this and that and oh my God, and like we're playing a game and it's just, it is just kind of coming mm-hmm. out or like, oh no, I stubbed my toe and now I'm crying or whatever it mm-hmm. is. And then slowly at some age that starts to shift into that's not allowed. That'll get mm-hmm. you made fun of that's too much Mm -hmm. or that'll get you punished Mm -hmm. and then we start to kind of build ways of operating Mm -hmm. that i think intimacy Mm -hmm. starts to press into those and they're so unconscious at that point Mm -hmm. that we're like we don't know what we're gonna lose or if we're gonna get hurt Mm -hmm. or if people are gonna leave us or Mm -hmm. whatever it is like Mm -hmm. punish slander think we're less than Mm -hmm. we kind of protect them with our own insecurities (laughs) we're like well i can't show this because even though I think that's what's funny about humans. After 12 years, like I've worked with thousands of people and it's so funny how we all think that our things are so unique. Yes. And they're not. There's like, they're like the worst, like no one can handle this. Like, oh, (laughs) I'm the worst. Yeah. They're so dramatic, Uh right? They're so uh dramatic. And one of my teachers once said, you know, we only have like a handful of emotions. Yes. And I was like, yeah, but they're so intense when you feel them. And she was like, yeah, but there's only a handful of them. Mm-hmm. It's not that they're that special. And yeah. yet so many people are like, oh, I can't pick your poison. Either you can't be angry or you can't be sad mm-hmm. or you can't be affected or you can't be hurt or mm-hmm. whatever it is. But even our problems I had another teacher that would talk, he talks about how human beings can only attain a certain level of enlightenment before they get over their mommy, daddy, boyfriend, girlfriend issues. And that's how he <laughs> talked about it. And it was so funny because it sounds so mean when yeah. he said it and condescending. But at the same time, he was very like light and humorous about it. But what it illuminated for me was, oh yeah, that's literally what 
we're all working on and it is intense to process Mm -hmm. and to move through and it doesn't discount the pain that's Mm -hmm. there but again it's not i don't know we're not like special Mm -hmm. in our suffering and Mm -hmm. i think that's part of what makes suffering more Mm -hmm. (laughs) suffering one of the things that really helped me in my self-perpetuating suffering was bringing lightness and like silliness oh my god playfulness to like I just had this mechanism that would just turn everything up in seriousness and like (laughs) just like make it really serious. And I was like, oh my God, this is so silly. Like, we can be doing this thing again. Totally. It helps so much when I shifted that. Yeah. I mean, that's a superpower. Mm. I think that it kind of can, I noticed that in my development as a practitioner, it also really helped holding space because. If you can do that for yourself yeah. in the right moment, yes. if you can do that in a session mm-hmm. or in a group of people, mm-hmm. like, bam, everything yeah. that's heavy and deep mm-hmm. opens and it kind of brings like an objectivity uh-huh. to it a bit. It's, it's like you watch the winding and the tightening up and yeah. then just like a really silly or like a mm-hmm. giggle or something will just open it up like a flower. Just mm-hmm. Totally, mm-hmm. totally. Yeah. I mean, the best teachers have that mm-hmm. that I've had. Right? Mm-hmm. They're like... They just joke around. They're like, we're talking about like the darkest thing in the world. And they're like, they make a side joke and everyone's laughing and they're still holding the profundity of what's happening. They're not discounting it. But at the same time, they're bringing this other vantage point Mm -hmm. to it as well. Mm -hmm. But that thing of it's just mine and it's so deep and oh my God, and it's going (laughs) to last forever. And it's this like endless pit of doom, which is Uh what it feels like sometimes. There's so much shame, I think that we can have about things like that or self-protection to want to stay in the same story. And Mm -hmm. yeah, intimacy brings people into your experience Mm -hmm. of that. And that's scary. Yeah. But also the thing that will heal it too, Mm -hmm. because you're not in it alone, right? Mm -hmm. Those spaces are so terrible. Right. Because you're in it alone. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And even just the mechanism that keeps people out of it because some part of you knows that them coming i don't know would be helpful or like you'd feel love in a moment (laughs) where you don't want to love yourself or something yeah yeah and someone's right there willing to help and like i've experienced this both as a practitioner and on the other side and being in that moment where i'm like okay just let them in (laughs) just do it Mm -hmm. and it's like that cliff edge again totally it's like why am i resisting this thing that i know is pure love and acceptance that's such a good point what is that it's like maybe part of it is that human innate human like fear of the unknown Mm. where it's such a primal part Mm -hmm. of ourselves to stay in what's known and Mm -hmm. to stay in because a lot of what we're talking about is like the trauma that is very like primal security Mm -hmm. based Mm -hmm. and survival based so the feeling of that goes into the mystery (laughs) of ego death right like what if i die or this part of me yeah then has what? to die and then yeah. what's gonna happen you know and it's always better on the other side it's always better yeah <laughs> unless you are in some really toxic dynamic mm, yeah but with like a cult or something mm-hmm. but mm-hmm. which i've experienced a little bit of before and have realized oh okay there is discernment that's needed in those spaces mm-hmm. but also as long as you're kind of following your own yeah self-knowledge around the experience it can be it's really really good and most of the time it's like Mm -hmm. profound Mm -hmm. i just learned i think over time when i first got into this work i was like 
I'm open to everyone and everything. And then I had some moments where I was, maybe not that. Mm -hmm. Or maybe not everyone has like a pure intention. That's been a challenge that I've had. Mm -hmm. It's like this very like pure, innocent Mm -hmm. openness. (laughs) And Mm -hmm. then experiencing some things that made me learn. Okay. Yeah. Just discernment's important Mm -hmm. too. Like you can open to a lot of people and beautiful things happen. But being discerning about who's holding you in those spaces is important. But yeah, that the muscle you're talking about is mm-hmm. it's such an interesting moment, right? Where it's like I can almost track that moment mm-hmm. that you're talking about to like every one of the biggest insights I've ever had. Yes. It's like, okay, we need to do that. We're gonna do that thing. And you're like having that conversation with yourself in your head, like, all right, all right. And then you do it and you're like, oh, oh. Mm-hmm. whether it's like in a healing session or a medicine journey mm-hmm. or Yeah intimacy Mm -hmm. like in a relationship Mm -hmm. conversation Mm -hmm. so we've been talking a lot about it's like healing journey growing up journey and question i like want to ask honestly is collectively like what do we need Mm -hmm. (laughs) such a good question yeah i think that's what i sit with a lot it's interesting to watch i feel like i've watched different pockets of people that I've been in like the medicine world Mm -hmm. and the new age world and I've been in intensive meditation world where like half the people around me were in a meditation school and there's computer programmers and engineers Mm -hmm. and that kind of space, which Mm -hmm. is very different and more like, what's the word for that? Aesthetic. So it's like very, you meditate on your own. It's almost more everyone on their individual path Mm -hmm. of Mm -hmm. enlightenment, but collectively in our culture Mm -hmm. where you and me connect Mm -hmm. and probably where people that are going to listen to this mm-hmm. podcast more. One of the things I've come to or the ponderings I've come to is, okay, we are a generation that has had a lot given to us really quickly. So we're used to things that come really fast mm-hmm. and we're used to things that get that initial response of satiation really fast. And we're also a culture that while we're so connected, we're actually not all hanging out, well, especially the past two years, but we're not really hanging out in circles and communing. Mm -hmm. You would with like councils of people. Mm -hmm. And I think one of the things that I want to see more of and want to continue to learn to be more of, that's one of the principles that I've been holding. I can be, I think all visionaries can get very cynical of things Mm -hmm. like, well, this isn't what I want to see. So (laughs) that's what's wrong, you know? (laughs) So I've been recently asking myself a lot of, if I see something out of integrity or if I see something out of alignment or if I see something that I want to change, how am I bringing the solution mm-hmm. versus just harping on the problem? Right. Mm-hmm. So I think that mindset's mm. pretty big. How do we step into the maturity of not waiting for someone else outside of ourselves to be what we actually want to see? Mm-hmm. But then also there's an embracing for me of if you're, doing this kind of work if you're talking about it if you're doing the medicine journeys if you're having the experiences with in the healing circles if this is your life path Mm -hmm. how is that integrated in all the choices Mm -hmm. that we're making so not like we can't have fun and play and explore Mm -hmm. and be light and have that medicine right but at the same time how do we start to hold values in the way that we engage and interact that align with the insights that we've had Right. So if we want 
to really create unity, how often are we embarking in this like right, left, yeah. attacking each other dynamic versus actually trying to understand mm-hmm. where the nuances lie in conversation and bring those to light? Mm-hmm. Or if you're having big experiences with psychedelics, especially in like indigenous ceremony spaces, the reciprocity that's taught through indigenous cultures, how are we bringing that to the table? Are we being reciprocal with the earth, with the way that we live, with the way that we show up online? Where are the places that we sacrifice integrity to Mm -hmm. gain something in a more kind of modern day Mm -hmm. way? And I think those questions are really hard to they're harder to ask because integrity is a choice to show up and align with those Mm -hmm. things is no one's going to sit there and make you do it. You have to kind of choose to be like, okay, well I could get a really fast, whatever. I look at the coaching industry in specific Mm -hmm. is like, Mm -hmm. it's very fad diet. Mm -hmm. So it's like make all the money really, really quickly and totally lose the potency of the offering or the container Mm -hmm. and then teach everyone else to make all the money really quickly. Mm -hmm. And it's like, everyone's just trying to lose a hundred pounds in a week. Right. It's like the same kind Mm -hmm. of thing versus how do you be a leader who builds what you're leading with the way that you would tend a garden? Mm -hmm. If you want to build a really strong permaculture garden, Mm -hmm. right? You first make sure you have super fertile soil and that takes a while. You got to feed the soil, you got to work with the compost, you got to work with the mulch, and then you plant seeds that specifically support the integral growth of the garden, not just for next year, but for the forest that you're creating. And I think our generation, because we're so used to this really fast paced thing and do it really fast and get it really fast and create it really fast and convince other people to do it really Mm -hmm. fast, that we're becoming products of a world that is not a sustainable world, Mm -hmm. right? Yes. And that pattern interrupt, I feel like is really important. Mm. And I think that that's going to start to come from a reverence with self. I heard a Lakota shaman once say that when you respect yourself, it's impossible to disrespect anyone else. And when you're respecting yourself, it's impossible for other people to disrespect you Mm. because you're holding a sense of this reverence and integrity where like nothing can touch you because you know that the way that you're operating Mm. is within this holistic harmony with the system that you're living in. I know I'm getting like really out there. It's it's one of the things that I feel like is going to make or break. If you look at the hippies in the Mm sixties that really wanted to make this massive movement, Mm -hmm. a lot of them ended up getting super high on drugs and then getting really into spirituality and then burning out. And then Mm -hmm. we have a lot of the boomer generation, which is they had to then go back to their nine to five jobs and Mm -hmm. their corporate. And that's fine. It's just, why did that not become sustainable? Mm -hmm. Well, because they didn't integrate it into the foundation of how they were operating in the rest of their life. And this dream that everyone had, it was a potent time and a lot came from it, but those big visions and all the, Mm -hmm. the free love and all these things. Stories and speeches. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Like it didn't ground into Mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. And so all of that I see, and I don't necessarily have an answer for all of it, but Mm -hmm. I think that I want to see a culture shift where we start to value how we show up as leaders what are we holding space for if we are visionaries Mm. like great you can go get your louis vuitton bag and have all your cool material stuff i'm not against that but 
what's the point of what you're doing? Right. And is it actually changing the state of the people that you're around, the consciousness that you're putting out? And is it addressing what's actually really going on versus bypassing in a way of we're going to quantum everything. And it's like, yes, the quantum world (laughs) exists and there are very real things that Mm -hmm. you can be privileged enough to be obsessed with the quantum world and not look at like (laughs) the issues that we may be here to tend to. So Mm -hmm. however we do that, that's what I see. (laughs) That's what you see. Yeah. Do you have any answers to how we can do that? Because I'm trying to figure it out. (laughs) Yeah. No, this is just stuff that I ponder all the time. That's that's the first step is even asking the questions, right? Damn, Mm -hmm. that's a big question to ask. Yes. How is that even possible? (laughs) I don't know when it started for me. And I mean, like, as a child, I just questioned everything. Yeah. I must have been, like, my parents' worst nightmare. I was just like, (laughs) why? Like, Why? And I imagine there was like a long period of time where it was just to be like a little shit. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it was just like, I, it's like fire poker. Uh-huh. <laughs> but now it's this like genuine curiosity we were talking about earlier. And I genuinely want to get into the minds of certain people that I don't currently understand the process. And I just want to understand the mechanism so that I can, it, for me, it's almost like I want to have compassion for every being on this planet. Mm-hmm. And I strive to. But there's also very much times where I judge the shit out of people. And it's just a mismatch of seeing it through their lens. Yeah. Yeah. Because if I could see through their lens, I imagine I could track exactly what I could feel into it and be like, yeah, I fucking get you. I get why you're doing. I get all of this. Like, man, if I was in this position, I'd be doing the exact same thing. And that's what I want to experience Mm. all the time. Mm -hmm. Totally. totally. (laughs) And I think a part of. Even this podcast is just out of pure curiosity. You're good at that. You have a good way. I've been enjoying the way that energetically pockets of things and how does that work? Because it feels very pure. Sorry, I keep touching Mm. the microphone, but it feels very pure in the Mm -hmm. sense of what, why, how. Mm -hmm. It's a magical way to ask questions because you don't have to have an answer, Mm -hmm. but you start to be able to perceive differently, I guess, versus having like an agenda. Mm -hmm. Of something or... And I like to ask questions that I don't have the answer to or that I perceive no one has the answer to. Because even in the asking of it and the talking through it, I think you helped almost dance through and interweave something that makes a little bit more sense than it did just five minutes before that. Yeah, totally. Like it's like a living consciousness that evolves. There's like more of a flow to mm -hmm. it and a co-exploration. Yeah. And then by the nature of this medium people get to listen to it and then also form their own and interweave their own consciousness in it and share that and yeah 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 i was a little shit too were you yeah (laughs) i was always a rebel Uh always rebelling always asking why i was obsessed with world peace in kindergarten Mm. (laughs) which is so weird to think about yeah yeah i was obsessed with the concept of world peace and peace signs and I mean, early 90s, we had Lisa Frank. I don't know. Well, you're a guy, so I don't know no, if you remember this. How old are you? 35. 35. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You may remember them if you saw them. They were girly kind of design folders and things for oh, your pencil I, cases. I think I know what you're you talking about, yeah. And they, we look back on them mm-hmm. now and I'm like, these are so psychedelic. Who's creating these? <laughs> you know children. what I mean? It's kind of like when you watch kids' cartoons oh, and you're like, man. who made this? Yeah. <laughs> and how was I watching this? Mm-hmm. But they had that very 
there's a lot of peace signs and smiley faces mm-hmm. and yin yangs. And I remember feeling pretty innately that something was just up. Something was not working. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand why. And I didn't understand what it was. Yeah. But I was pretty young when I mm-hmm. realized it. And I was not just going to accept it. Mm-hmm. it very much like, why? Why do you and dad have to fight that way? Why does this have to be this way? I don't want to do this. Like, why do I have to do homework? Yeah. What's the point of this school system? Mm-hmm. Why do I have to learn in this way when I learn better this way? And I think our generation, though, has something where mm-hmm. we are what they're calling neurodivergent, a lot of us. But like, I have a theory that ADHD and all of these things, yeah, they're exacerbated by technology. But also, I think what we're starting to realize is more people have creative minds that work in different ways mm-hmm. than just the factory way we were taught right. to mm-hmm. learn in school. Mm-hmm. And I think that the questions we're able to ask are going to lead us in different directions. I don't think it's always mm-hmm. going to be... You, we could go down the hyper technology route into the metaverse and have those our minds go into that and that could be a dystopia. Mm-hmm. But we could have the questions and the minds that look into how do we get collaborative with technology or the way that we interconnect in ways that mm-hmm. build a culture that becomes more of a mm-hmm. thriving ecosystem mm-hmm. between each other. And those are the big questions where I'm like, I don't understand how that's going to happen but i do have faith that there's enough people right now that are yeah wanting something different Mm -hmm. i think that the thing i want to see more of is people that are going that needs to change and then starting to point that period back towards themselves and be like how can i influence or change whatever i'm seeing in a way that's bringing a solution not just pointing at a problem Mm, yeah And I always wonder about this. Is it just my world and my view? Or it seems like we're at a time to where there's almost like a shift in the seesaw from that line of thinking and questioning is dangerous and suppress it at all costs to there's now feels like more acceptance to ask those type of questions. And again, I don't know if that's just my world, but it seems like more people are like opening up to that. More mm-hmm. people that I would not expect. Mm-hmm. And having conversations, I'm like, whoa, like, yeah. <laughs> whoa, didn't see this coming. I wonder about that too. Like the theory, if you ever heard the theory of the horizon, point horizon, or there's another word for it. And someone that's going to be listening to this is they're saying the they're word saying it right that now. I know <laughs> that I'm trying to think about, but it's something like max capacity. We get to a certain point. Oh my God, so annoying. Nassim Haramine talks about it, but. We get to a certain point where there's enough momentum of people waking up to where mm. just it just starts spontaneously yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah. And I do question whether we've actually gotten to that point. Yeah. And it's just not totally obvious. It's not like, clear yet. It's, but yeah. people are thinking about or considering things yeah. that they didn't before. And I don't know how that happens. Is it yeah. just it spontaneously happens in consciousness? Yeah. Or is it that we can talk about it more now? I was at a gathering just this weekend. Just this guy was just like, yeah, I was doing real estate. Then just like, boom, I'm spiritual now in like innocent way. Mm -hmm. He's like, it just happened. And the questions he was asking, I was like, whoa, you're really going in. Mm -hmm. And he's like, yeah, and I have no idea where it comes from. He's just a normal dude like a couple of weeks ago. (laughs) That's amazing. See that kind of stuff. I love that. (laughs) And there's something that's so beautiful about the innocence 
mm-hmm. that opens up in people at those mm-hmm. phases where it's like, oh, like the world is different than I thought it was. And I'm different. And like, how does this work? And that, that little, you know, you start to see the phase of development that almost looks like a toddler trying to yeah. figure out how to walk and play and it's putting stuff in its mouth and it's trying to figure out how all like this a, stuff works but it's interested it's curious it's open yeah it's like they're learning this new world yeah their eyes are open and they're like what is this and what if i do this and yeah, yeah totally totally yeah, so, yeah see I, I have faith that that kind of yes. thing is happening i think that there's all sorts of dis distractions from it and I do I don't really worry about that so Mm -hmm. much as I do have an awareness especially because I was so into the medicine world the new age world and when I kind of woke up out of where there's places to kind of build astral castles in the Mm -hmm. sky Mm -hmm. like oh we're doing it we're all doing it that was one of the things in the new age world Mm -hmm. where I was like we're all doing it and then I was consistently working on trauma healing and I just assumed that everyone knew that that was a part of it but then i realized that a lot of people were like mm. oh no it's just a trend we're wearing crystals and we're talking about sacred yes. geometry and we're yeah. having the ideas of things mm-hmm. but in day-to-day life are mm-hmm. we doing the thing that's going to actually shift the consciousness maybe partially At some level yeah but there is a level of are you actually looking at mm-hmm. the stuff inside of you mm-hmm. that is inhibiting your ability like when real right. emotional shit comes right. up right right and real dynamics come up are you actually moving Mm -hmm. through those in a conscious way that's taking responsibility for your process looking at where there's work to be done etc or are you just kind of repressing stuff or being like oh this isn't the place Mm. for that Mm, yeah where to me by no means perfect or saying like, oh, I'm doing it correctly, you know, <laughs> but it's more Queen like, the castle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I have a lot of fucking work to do. Uh, I can also be incredibly yeah. judgmental and all of that. My mm-hmm. spiritual ego is alive and well, and yes. I constantly have to slay it. <laughs> but there is that feeling of, it's almost the chop wood carry water mm-hmm. of awakening where like, yes. are you doing the shit that's not sparkly and it's not fun to look at? And you have to go into mm-hmm. that discomfort. Mm-hmm. And then if you are and you're integrating mm-hmm. it, then perfect. We need way, way, way more of mm-hmm. that. But mm-hmm. there is a way of only doing yoga or only taking psychedelics or only doing meditation or only manifesting mm-hmm. where it's all of that's beautiful. And if you're not looking at the raw process of the emotions and the stuff that can get stuck in your system that inhibits everything else in your Mm -hmm. energy, then I think that we're missing out on a massive ability to wake up because if that stuff's going on, then your soul can't have discernment. This past couple of years has been amazing for that to see how much divisiveness has been put out on the media and how much people have responded to that. For me, in a surprising way, some people that I thought were like, oh, we're on the path together. Wait, no, you're screaming at me Mm. for something I didn't even say that you now assumed that I said because you're now hooked into a political thing that I'm not even talking about the level of discernment that it takes to be awake to divisiveness and splitting us up. I think that comes from working on trauma, Mm. comes Mm -hmm. from working on the emotional stuff. Mm -hmm. And so... While these other things are important, I think yeah. it's like if you don't have that, then you're going to miss out on yeah what it takes. Where do you think that urge comes from to like attack another, either verbally, physically? I had a theory that <laughs> I wanted someone to make 
a meme about I tell my friends that make memes to make me memes because I don't want to make them but I think about them a lot. <laughs> <laughs> like can you make this meme and they love it because they're yeah. like great that's like what their accounts are for but <laughs> you know the meme where have you seen the one where it, the base of the meme is a coca-cola bottle and like a mentos and so you put mentos, mentos in a coca-cola and it explodes, and it explodes. Yeah. so I wanted the coca-cola bottle to be everyone's repressed childhood rage and then i wanted the mentos to be 2020 political battles and it just that was kind of my thought is Mm -hmm. like if you don't have a place where you can be angry or express Mm -hmm. rage and yet you're given these public collective places that all of a sudden you can feel in control and you can feel righteous and mm-hmm. you can express this thing that wasn't allowed to be expressed before yeah. because it's for a cause, yeah. right? And because it's almost being invited. But I also think it helps people feel like powerful as far as like, I can be in control of something or there's something about, I can stand behind this message because it correlates to some of my core values, even though I'm not really asking myself other questions about how mm. my energy may be also fueling other people's agendas. There's something about righteousness in my experience of it that like, I feel like I'm in control of something, you know, and like there's a knowing and I'm certain and that certainty, especially in the past couple of years has been really fucking hard to have. No one knows what's going on and yeah. no one's got a clear answer for it. Mm-hmm. So that's my suspicion mm-hmm. is it's repressed rage and ability to express it and permission yeah. slip but also like a want for certainty yeah and in some ways it's almost like accepted encouraged and invited to like project yeah. that rage on others oh yeah it's human well human will right is a powerful thing so i mean oh, we could go all into this <laughs> studying propaganda because it's studying oh. studying the subconscious is such a fascination for me. So propaganda is essentially using the subconscious to get things done through a collective group of people by knowing how to market to it and speak to it and influence it. Right. And yeah, I think that that's really what's, I mean, definitely what's happened the past couple of years is like a massive movement towards how do you take core values that people have speak to them directly and then almost like press on the again trauma unprocessed trauma in people what are our core fears as humans to be kicked out of the tribe to be slandered which all goes back to fear of death because in the past if you're kicked out of the tribe you would literally die you know and then we have imprints of like genocides and things like the witch burnings where mm-hmm. like if you were all of a sudden found out that was cancel culture back right. then. Cancel yeah. culture was you will be you burned alive in front of everyone. <laughs> yeah. Not like everyone will stop following. You. Yeah. you know what I mean? And I think that we still have that yeah. in our yes. physiology, like mm-hmm. the memory of it. And I think that the they's that control narratives do understand that about mm-hmm. us. And so. I think it's this mixture of knowing how to talk to people, knowing how to match values to the agendas that you want to push. And then somewhere knowing the right way to fuel emotional triggers so that people all of a sudden are have an impulse to do something based on the trauma and because they have a matching value set towards whatever they're being told to do, mm-hmm. which is like a fucking science. I mean, it's insane yeah. how it works, but... It's not new. 
It's not new. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it is not new. I don't know when it started, but. My God, there's a book. If you're into this stuff or anyone reading or listening to it. This tripped me the fuck out when I found out about it. Edward Bernays. Have you heard of Edward Bernays? No. Okay. Mm-hmm. He's the, you know who Sigmund Freud is? Yes. Okay. So Sigmund Freud, the, the godfather of the human mm-hmm. shadow psychology, mm-hmm. right? His nephew is named Edward Bernays. So okay. Sigmund Freud spent his entire life, for anyone that doesn't know, spent his entire life studying the human shadow, the impulses of the will, of sexuality, of, of the hidden drives of people, why people are the way that they are. And he was very, I don't know if I would call him nihilistic, but he compared to like Carl Jung, who was a friend of his, who was very visionary and like the subconscious and the spiritual Mm -hmm. realms. Freud was very like, no, human beings are driven by like sexuality and impulse and desires that are pretty much completely selfish and driven Mm -hmm. by nature. And so it's cool because their psychologies together actually make a full, or I wouldn't say a full human being, but both ends of the spectrum. Mm -hmm. Edward Bernays, who is Sigmund Freud's nephew, came along and took the entirety of his uncle's work and realized that he could help people market things better with it. And later on realized that he could fuel and change the way that political campaigns worked. And I'm sure his uncle was probably pissed. I don't know if he found out about it, but he basically was like, Oh, we can exploit this. Yeah. This thing Mm -hmm. in the psyche that Mm -hmm. this guy has spent his his whole life studying (laughs) And the way that he did it was, so this is where identity politics, not identity politics as it's talked about in more like liberal arts stuff, but identity politics as it's talked about in the identification with, let's call it like right or left Mm -hmm. or your stance politically Mm -hmm. and how that creates an entire way of navigating the social spheres because you identify with Mm -hmm. different political spectrums or you're pulled by different things. But it started with, advertising so in the 50s i think he was the first guy instead of being like here's a vacuum you should buy it because it has this knob and this thing and this lever he was the first one to go when you have this kind of vacuum your husband will think you're an incredible housewife and everyone in the neighborhood so it became about not the product Mm -hmm. but who you are for having the product and how it'll change your identity and then he was hired i forget by who but he started to realize that you could influence circles and rings of people with ideologies and things. Mm-hmm. If you could seed ideas based on their value system mm-hmm. and you match different political parties to the value systems. So instead of being like, I want to vote for this person because they do these things, it becomes, I want to vote for this person because I'm this kind of a person mm-hmm. and this kind of a person that I am is now going to make a choice to be represented by this political leader. Mm-hmm. And so what he started to find and what they started to find is this was extremely powerful as far as, and we still use that kind of advertising yeah. now, mm-hmm. but it's also like very on display with what happened, what's happened with the extreme divides that have yeah. happened in politics recently mm-hmm. and things like that. So you wonder why, like why is yeah. the emotional pull so strong? Why right. There is psychology behind mm-hmm. it and it does know exactly how to trigger these like core human mm-hmm. wounds and, things like that so again it goes back to like if you can heal your trauma yeah (laughs) you can see more objectively and you're not as driven by these emotional pulls when someone pushes on that wound it's not triggering anymore or it's 
a one out of 10 instead of yeah. a 10 out of 10. And it's like, wow. Right. Like, okay. You can be like, oof, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to, like, now I'm going to, like, bring that curiosity yeah. that mm-hmm. we were talking about earlier into mm-hmm. it and be like, okay, but, like, why and how and how does it work and mm-hmm. why does it work that way? And Yeah. Yeah. So. <sighs> I don't yep. know where we can go from there. Yep, yep, yep. Yeah. And I think we would both unanimously agree that the healing of the trauma is fundamental for yeah, being core. free of that. Well, but yeah, because with what you were saying, like when you get triggered, think about whatever the most agitating, annoying, triggering thing to you is it's like a full cascade of brain chemicals that Mm -hmm. are like everything is geared against that and it feels really riveting but Mm. how many times have you I mean I know I for sure have like responded in ways that I think reality is real that it's definitely not happening the way that I'm perceiving it right and so I think the more we heal that stuff the more objectivity we have to like where we're making choices and collectively like choices that individual humans make kind of are what shape where we go as a mm-hmm. civilization. Yeah. So mm-hmm. yeah, just heal your trauma. Just do work, heal your trauma. <laughs> Everything will be, we'll be back to world peace again. And, inter- and integrate it. And integrate <laughs> And integrate it. And integrate yeah. And integrate Chop wood, carry water. Yeah. You know? It's not just like celebrating a win on social media. It's mm-hmm. like, how are you showing up in your day-to-day mm. life? I want to rebrand myself in real time here. I want to be the chop wood, carry water guy. That's like oh, my core totally belief. I'm like, just do the thing. Just do the thing. Just do the thing. Totally. Yeah. Totally. Mm-hmm. I think that there's, again, like with our generation too, we need more of that represented mm. because mm-hmm. we're not a chop wood, carry water generation. We're, <laughs> we're a, I'm going to order not. all my groceries on Amazon <laughs> yeah. and they're going to be here in half an hour generation, which is <laughs> fine. I do it too. Yeah. But like there's a level of we just want some coffee, DoorDash, boom, got it in your hand right now. (laughs) I don't have to get up. You don't have to move. You can just think of something and press a button on your phone and it's there. So we kind of need more of, but that's what I mean as far as collectively, like Mm -hmm. I want more of that attitude and I want to be like sexy and cool again. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like make chop wood, carry water cool again. Like make like Mm -hmm. little moments in life where Mm -hmm. you have to like be present with these things. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you think it's possible to be cool though? Like with all the like the extremes <laughs> and the flashies and like the this now and that depends think- on your definition of cool. I don't know. It's a good point. I mean, what makes things cool? Mm-hmm. I think what makes things cool is maybe it won't be cool. I mean, individually, it's like whatever you want it to be. That's true. <laughs> yeah. That's true. I think it's the way that we hold it. I mean, right, like subculturally, like different things are cool in mm-hmm. different subcultures, yeah. right? So, For like, sure. how, and I think that's like at what level? Our culture, yeah. <laughs> like, what becomes cool? Is mm-hmm. it cool that you just made? And I'm not shitting on anyone at all. I want to make lots of money too, and I want to mm-hmm. be completely financially free and all of that. Mm-hmm. I'm like for that game. And is the only thing that's cool in this industry the fact that you made a million dollars or is it that you made a million dollars and the way that you impact and the way that you Mm. affect and the way that you give back with your business and the way that your personal interactions with people and day to day in your life are showing that there is a depth of, I don't know. I think about like regenerative, have you ever studied regenerative energy Actually, a guy I was interviewing on the show was talking about that. Yeah. They're very, you know, the toroid field. 
It's like it looks like a donut, basically, and okay. like all the energy goes up and oh, around and then yes. in. Yeah, yeah. And it's part like of that is because yeah, exactly, yeah, yeah. exactly. So all of the <laughs> yeah, like yeah. coolest technology yes. has that yeah. as its foundation, and I feel like there's something about having energy that replenishes itself so it comes in and then it moves out and gives more and then it comes Mm. in and then it moves out and gives more Mm. that kind of a thing to me i want to see more of as a culture Mm. i was actually you ever watch shark tank occasionally okay so i was watching shark tank a while ago and you know the tom's shoe brand yeah okay Mm -hmm. so that guy was on okay and it was really interesting because i was watching that guy next to like all of the regular people mm-hmm. on Shark Tank who are all cool and everything. But this guy's energy was so different mm. and it was fascinating because he's made millions of dollars. Mm. Right. But he's done it in a way where like every pair of shoes that you buy, he makes one and then get. So he's had this exponential effect where he's stuck to his integrity the mm-hmm. whole time. And then everyone that was on the show that he invests in is like a very eco giving back mm. to the earth. So there's this, way that he looks at business models that's very like with that in mind he's like using a different metric that a lot of people aren't using on the scoreboard yeah he's like including a metric on the scoreboard that's totally and it's working for him yeah that was one of the things because i think for a long time for me i was like well yeah but to Mm -hmm. be in integrity you kind of have to self-sacrifice and it's like well no you just have to consider more things Mm -hmm. but there are ways to make it so that things come in and then we give more and things yeah. come in and then we give mm-hmm. more. And so I think those kinds of questions are pretty fundamental and core for me around like, mm. yeah, how do we build yeah. a culture? And I mean, it kind of goes with the non-sexiness of chop wood, right. carry water mm-hmm. because to do those things and to upkeep, you have to kind of consistently be asking mm-hmm. questions that you mm-hmm. don't have to ask. Like you don't have to be like, okay, how can I give back? Right. Be like, okay, cool. I just, made all this money and now I'm just going to go buy a bunch of really cool stuff for myself, which is awesome. Mm -hmm. And I'm not against that. I'm just saying like, what if we add an extra layer of creativity there and start to go, okay, well, how do we make things more, I don't know, impact. Like we have the ability with our culture to make things more impactful, Mm -hmm. whether it's in the containers and how we serve people or it's in what the business does or it's in the movements we can create. And I can feel where startup culture kind of has that. Mm. in it but it also can get taken in all sorts of ways in startup <laughs> culture too you know as soon, as, as soon as you raise a few million dollars that gets taken exactly from you. Yeah. exactly well and that's that's the yeah. thing is like uh-huh. can we hold that yes. and i have found places in my consciousness where it's really fucking hard mm-hmm. to keep awareness of the big vision when that starts to happen mm-hmm. but i want to be able to do that yeah. and i want to be a part of a culture where that really continues to be the dialogue. I mean, even talking about this, right. It kind of like puts me on, like it adds a little bit more fire to like, okay, now am I going to walk in that because I'm talking Mm -hmm. about it, you know, but I don't know if it's sexy. I I know it looks sexy in the end. Yes. But I don't think that it's people look at it and they're like, what the fuck? How'd you do that? (laughs) Totally. Totally. Yeah. But it's not the process. It's not the process. Yeah. I think we can like, I don't know. Can we make it? How will we make, make that it cool? cool? Yeah. 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 How can we market chop wood carry water? Yeah. 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 <laughs> I think that that's something about how we talk about our values though. It's like if someone sees you growing in success and continues to listen to you and then mm-hmm. your message is to keep coming back and to 
whatever your version of that is, like coming back into the present moment, looking mm-hmm. at what's in front of you in your life. It's the, the native, a lot of native North American tribes say all my relations, which mm-hmm. is how am I relating to every single thing in my life and having that reciprocal relationship. <sighs> I don't know though. That does make me wonder, even as I say that, if cool actually equates to this like buzz, you know, like, oh, that leather jacket and like this kind of allure mm-hmm. thing. I've never thought about this before, but I don't know if we can make it yeah. cool. Yeah, it's like you really have to separate in your mind what you're seeking, what you're after. Are you after cool or are you yeah. after effective or are you after like... Yeah. Maybe it's like legacy. Mm. Jack Daniels is cool, but some brand of super highly refined whiskey that's top shelf. That's, I don't know if we would call that cool, but it's not like cool. It's like refined. Mm. What is that? It's so funny. I'm talking about whiskey Whiskey, because I don't drink. (laughs) (laughs) But it's that kind of a thing, you know, Mm -hmm. like when something's really refined, it has another level of. It kind of speaks to the same thing, right? Maturity. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This just came to me. I think part of it is the immediacy of the culture today is almost feels like you have to figure out a way to hack chop wood, carry water, or mm-hmm. you'll be irrelevant tomorrow. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think talking about Jack Daniels whiskey is cool. Is like they've been doing it for, I don't know, 100 years, 200 years. Like <laughs> That's I, true. That's true. And their process is chop wood, carry water. I, mm-hmm. I've toured their factory thing. I got those that like tour and it's like religious like how chop wood, carry water it is. Yeah. But I think all legacy things are yeah. like that. I mm-hmm. used to do clothing design and I remember I looked at my friend. He had like a polo shirt on and I was like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. Like why? Mm-hmm. I could make that shirt. Yeah. And I know how much it would be to make that mm-hmm. shirt. Why is that shirt worth so much money? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of similar. With, they've been around for a long time mm-hmm. and they've perfected it and they've continued to refine the one thing. Mm-hmm. And I think most masters of things have done that too. Mm-hmm. If we get into the most talented people in the world mm-hmm. or things that we really look up to. And so it is true. There is like a, I think you can hack a little bit of the chop wood carry mm-hmm. water stuff. It's not always fun. Like cold plunging is a great mm-hmm. way to <laughs> hack that right this is not fun it's extreme mm-hmm. but it does get you into a discipline and a mm-hmm. certain state of mind faster so you can kind of biohack here and there a little bit but there's still i don't know life is entropy so yeah i think that's part of the chop wood carry water stuff is like you're showing up to the same thing kind of to mitigate the entropy of mm. life breaking down or someone not holding you to a schedule or a discipline mm-hmm. or a commitment or something. Mm-hmm. But we used to have that in like tribes all yeah. the time. You know, it was like your whole tribe would see you and how you would perfect or do whatever it was. that was your mission mm-hmm. to do. And I think we've lost that kind of value. And I think part of that is the reliance on the tribe as an organism and like yeah, the ability to like lean into mastering something. And trust that, like, the other things can be held by others in your job. That's a really good point. That's a Mm -hmm. really good point. Mm -hmm. It also comes with the thing I I think about a lot is, like, we've lost respect for elders because I feel like elders haven't carried down the wisdom. It's People have gotten really hijacked. And so there's, in in tribes, you have these, like, wisdom keepers, right, that kind of overlook things and Mm. hold the torch for what you're going towards. 
And so because we've lost that, there's also a bit of... Well, wisdom's just passed down in a very different way today than it used to be. Yeah. But like what it takes to attain that wisdom, I think also is like, we're like, oh, I just read a book and then I read a quote and I was like, oh, that makes so much sense. And then I reposted the quote and then it didn't let it sit and simmer when Mm -hmm. sometimes like you go to like spiritual teachers or masters and they're like, you ask them this long winded question. They give you like two sentences Mm -hmm. and then they tell you, go sit with it Mm -hmm. and you don't have any choice. Mm -hmm. You have to like sit with what does that mean and how does it affect me? And you have to meditate on it and you almost like you juice the, I don't know, the potency Mm -hmm. out of it with the way that you respect it. Mm -hmm. Whereas like information just kind of comes at us now. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. (laughs) And in a way I think there's almost a belief that that's better because it's Mm -hmm. like more objective in some way, like, Oh, it's data. And it's like, but you have actually considered and contemplated like what that actually means and what that the outcome is and all that. And, I think that it's part of, we can go down that on another episode, but the outsourcing of thought, this is just like what it is and accept this. And I think that what you and I have been touching on is breaking through those traumas, and those programmings, those patterns to allow yourself to have free thought again, or at least at the level that we currently are, right, have free right, thought. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we keep going. That gives you access to more. But there is some barrier where you kind of have to break through. And that's, I think, the traumas and the early childhood learnings and patterns that. Oh, that's a good point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's, I remember, do you remember the first as you started to get into this stuff that feeling of it's kind of like a feeling of breaking out of the matrix where you're like oh i don't know if i should be thinking this or like mm. clearly other people aren't thinking this way yeah. kind of a thing yeah i had that i think the rebel nature in me like the <laughs> like i described it as like the don't give a fuckness yeah, of me yeah, yeah. I, I think that, that was strong enough that it kept me going but i definitely felt that i was like if I go down this path, like my life's going to be very different. Like Mm -hmm. I may not have the same people in my life and as expected, that's happened. But I really enjoy the life that I have today. And it's, it's exactly the life I desire to live. And I also had to like, let go of a lot of my old stories. And a part of me knew that I was doing that, like by going down this path and this journey didn't make it easy. Yeah, totally. But I think there is that threshold that you're talking about where you have to really recognize that it's so cliche, right? Like you're waking up out of the matrix and you're like, oh, everyone doesn't think this way. You're like, Mm -hmm. this does make me stepping into a place that I'm either quote unquote not supposed to step into. Mm -hmm. I'm realizing things that are, I'm actually having to make the choice to think thoughts that are going to, like you Mm -hmm. said, make me different yeah and i think that innate fear can scare people too but it is it's the thing that makes you go yeah but i don't actually know about this thing that's being said on the news or i'm not really sure about like i want to dive into this more let's like sit with that instead of just take on the thought and regurgitate Mm -hmm. the thought that's almost like how i judge myself is was this just a reaction like in a half a moment is I got to a conclusion or did I sit with this for a day? (laughs) Did I sleep on this for three nights? And like how much did I actually contemplate 
this word that's coming out of my mouth or this sentence or this belief. And it's almost, it becomes my parameter for like what still needs to be cleared. Cause if I'm sitting here just reacting and responding to all these things, I'm like, Oh, what is that? Yeah. What's that part of me that's just like <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> refusing to actually consider anything before I uh-huh. <laughs> just vomit out whatever's coming out? Yeah. For me, it's always some, like I'm trying to protect something mm. in myself. I notice. Mm. I'm curious if you have a similar mm. or like if you ever notice like, a theme to what's going on behind the scenes of it. Yeah. Yeah. For me, it feels more of like definitely protecting but protecting like my image in some way like right. protecting, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like the uh, ego yeah it's like mm-hmm. no that can't be that way because i am this way and this is the exactly. only way that there is <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> which goes back to that feeling of like certainty like yep. we get, we're constantly craving the feeling of certainty even at the expense of for me in those moments it's literally at the expense of seeing reality and mm-hmm. what's true and sometimes yes. what could really fucking help me Especially if I'm like judging someone or judging something and I'm like, no, fuck that. But really later on, I'm like, oh, there's so much abundance here that could have been shared or connected with or whatever it is in the energy of someone else or something else. Or there's such a multifaceted nature to this that could have opened stuff up in me. And then I just blatantly said no and put everything over in some drawer of. I don't want that, mm. right? To like you're saying, like mm-hmm. to, to uphold my my own image of myself. That's where it gets tricky. Yeah. It's like, who are we yeah. playing this game who, with? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Oh, I've been. <laughs> yeah, I've yeah. had that thought thought experiment once or twice. Dude. Like, what is this? Like, what am I doing right now? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. exactly. Like, it's not for someone else. Uh-huh. It's clearly uh-huh. for a part of me, but. I'm on my own island mm-hmm. by myself, twiddling my thumbs. Mm-hmm. So what's the point mm-hmm. of what I'm doing? Mm-hmm. But I think, yeah, the humor in that's important too. Mm. It's funny. Yes. We're in like a great circle, circle back around to the beginning of our conversation now of like, what's the attitude? I mean, part of the attitude I think is like, how do you continuously question those things as like a life path? Right. Mm. How do we continuously question the, things that are the hardest to question about ourselves, about other people or about our judgments. And I loved what you said about contemplation, like sitting with something and actually letting it marinate Mm -hmm. and like contemplate and not knowing Mm -hmm. because it takes sitting in the state of, I have no control. Yeah. I don't know the answer to this. I have to be in kind of like an open uncertainty Mm -hmm. with it. Mm -hmm. I realized after when I was in that bout of doing lots of medicine journeys and training to be behind the altar and understand what's to hold space for things because it became less about my process. It became more about universal teachings. And so I realized if I would go in with like a really potent sentence or concept and just have that as my intention, like mm-hmm. I want to understand this, mm-hmm. the things that I would learn not only personally, but collectively and be able to see in the ceremony space and learn about healing work and things like that exponentially shifted Mm. because it wasn't just about me it was about Mm. some kind of universal principle yeah and ever since that happened anytime i had taken psychedelic sense that's kind of my go-to is more like how do i sit with something that can really give to me and like marinate in it versus dear god please heal my sad annoying thing and give me a vision of Mm -hmm. my (laughs) other thing that i want better 
which is great. And you can still have that. Yeah. But the bigger, I think the bigger questions kind of give more like fruit. That's how I, I've more recently been using those medicines and ceremony is like, it's such a space where things open up that I don't know. Like, even if I really try to access these spaces without, I'm still not at the place where I can hit some of these corners Yeah, of course. where yeah, I can yeah, see yeah. it from this angle. And I'm like, Oh, so it's a, a space for contemplation for me too. Mm, totally. And yeah, I think it's a tool for that for me. But yeah, like you said, the healing part of it, like almost feels like, Sometimes I'll bump up against some things and move through them and then I'll go into contemplation. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, my friends joke. It's like the they call me the rocket ship because I'm like right to the point. Right. To be, I'm like, <laughs> got it. Got it. Good. Okay. Now let's have fun. And that's, play. A great, yeah. that's a great functionality to yeah. have versus like kind of stewing in uh-huh. and being back and forth. And yeah, I mean, that's also another way I yeah. was I was that way for a long mm-hmm. time. But when mm-hmm. you start to see it's almost not really a hack because you're learning you're asking to learn lessons that are like really fucking huge archetypal Mm. lessons but also everything else that you think is your own personal little problem is kind of embedded in that greater archetypal question so Mm -hmm. expedited sounds like you like things expedited like yeah Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) well jessica this has been outstanding yeah, this has been really fun. This has been fun. <laughs> I've enjoyed every second of this. Me too. Yeah. Me too. Thanks for having uh, me. Yeah, thanks for being on. And where can people find you, find out about your program? Instagram at jessica.benstock, B-E-N-S-T-O-C-K. Also just jessicabenstock.com. And yeah, I do a lot of one-on-one work with executives mm-hmm. and CEOs mm-hmm. in their personal life for like leadership and interpersonal stuff that we've talked about (laughs) but i also teach people to do trauma healing work so Mm -hmm. a lot of multiple different kinds of modalities but like somatics based so a lot of nervous system work grounding into the body working with energy working with the subconscious but in a way where it's not just heady it actually like shifts something yeah it's change so that's called the phoenix path and that's uh it's a six month intensive training that's if you're like i don't want to do a weekend training i want to train multiple hours a week and be overseen and that mm-hmm. kind of level of things so yeah beautiful yeah thank you and thank you for the work that you're doing in the world mm. seriously thanks yeah thanks for being here with me on the journey mm. yeah you're welcome it's an honor <laughs> i've been asking uh one question at the end of uh, every the podcast. podcast questions that you don't expect and you know i'm actually sitting with it i'm contemplating this one as well because it's like <laughs> The theme of the podcast, I, I my intention was to be the most vulnerable podcast on the internet. Ooh, yeah, I love that. Thank you, thank you. Wow. So I've been asking, what does vulnerability mean to you? Vulnerability means that there is a total transparency and intimacy and openness with all of life. So everything's felt, everything's seen, everything's experienced in a way that allows for a deeper connection with truth. Mm. That even if it hurts or is scary, that connection with truth is what kind of, that's the fruit of it. Mm. You know, that's what makes it worth it. I was like feeling that transparency as you were saying that. Mm. Thank you. Yeah. Beautiful. Thank you. That's an amazing question. <laughs> I love vulnerability. I'm a fan of it. 
<laughs> I'm a new initiate and a huge fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> like I'm constantly a new initiate. Yes. I'm like, I'm vulnerable. And then I'm like, and oh, then... there, you want me to be vulnerable there? <laughs> okay. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Jessica. This is just, like I said, amazing. I've enjoyed yeah, every second of this. Too. I'm sure we could keep going for a while. I'm sure. But yeah. I appreciate you being on and again, the work you're doing in the world and folks, Go check out Jessica, jessicabenstock.com and on the gram. The gram. And you dropped some great content on the gram, by the way. Oh, thank you. <laughs> yeah, I love thank it. Thank you. You'll find anything from ranting to insights to random wisdom bits to me just contemplating random questions that I'm really confused about with humanity. <laughs> so come join me in so any of those experiences. Out, <laughs> go check it out. And thank you all for joining us on this episode of Fully uh, Expressed. Thank you all for listening to this episode of the Fully Expressed podcast. I truly hope you enjoyed this vulnerable conversation with our guest. And if you enjoy this show, please leave us a review, share it with a friend, and let me know if this has impacted your life in any way. You can message me directly on Instagram at Chris Marhefka and also if you want to support this show, the show is fully funded by my company, Training Camp for the Soul. Go over and check out trainingcampforthesoul.com where you can find out about our online programs, in-person retreats, and lots of free offerings where we're helping people to transform their lives radically and permanently. Thank you all for listening. I appreciate you so much for making this dream a reality.